This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Let them take care of dinner with their ready-to-heat meals. And in fact, they're introducing two new meals that have been added to the menu, a poke bowl dinner and a bistro sandwich dinner. Uh, The poke bowl dinner comes with two types of poke, rice and toppings to create your own bowls. The bistro sandwich is a ham and gruyere and caprice sandwiches, uh, as well as sides. You can pair these with a bottle of rosé on your patio. It's it's been fairly nice lately. Uh, If you order by noon, you can have same-day curbside pickup between 3 and 7 o'clock. Meanwhile, one of the things we love most about Zupans is that they're constantly bringing in new things. That includes the spring produce. Yes, it is springtime. Uh, local produce coming in just arrived in the store. Local asparagus from Washington and organic green garlic and ramps. And, ooh, this is the one I'm most excited about, Nola's Donuts. Get a taste of Nola's brand new donut, a classic yeast raised donut featuring vanilla and chocolate glaze, maple bars, and donut holes. Sounds so good, and I'm putting that on my list for this weekend. Speaking of which, on your next visit, don't forget they have adjusted hours so that employees can be uh, better cleaning and restocking the shelves. I would also throw out a reminder that in this environment, be sure to keep your shopping to a minimum. Go in, do your shopping, get out. Not time for browsing. Uh, And don't forget to thank the employees that are there to assist you. Obviously, they're kind of right there out there and still in the public working amongst all of us doing their best. And we appreciate it. So uh, get store hours. Find the one nearest you, which, of course, is on McAdam, West Burnside, Lake Oswego, and always Zupans.com. Well, hello everyone, this is Chris Angelus. This is Right at the Fork, Portland's food scene podcast. And of course, our food scene is not looking like it did a couple of months ago. We are in uncharted waters here, and uh, we have many, many captains trying to sail their ships not knowing a lot. And so therefore, we have uh, suspended our regularly scheduled programs for at least a while, and we started this series called Right at the Moment, where we're talking to folks in the industry in Portland about how they are dealing with this current pandemic, what they foresee, how they're planning. And uh, we started this uh, about six weeks ago, and we are off our regular Thursday release schedule, and we'll be back to that, we anticipate, sometime in May or June. Um, uh, But we've been releasing some episodes and having interviews with folks like Craig Peterson at Ringside about his thoughts, Zupan's Markets, our sponsor, Mike Zupan, Uh, John and Renee Gorham have been on with us. Um, Nate Snell from Pips. Uh, the list goes on. We've spoken with our friends at Ordinetta. You know, everything changes daily and weekly with this pandemic, with restaurants starting to serve takeout, some deciding to continue it, some not. So um, it's been a very interesting time, and we don't yet know when things will return to anything looking normal again. And of course, we're going to be dealing with new regulations for events and restaurants, and they're going to have to figure that out and make those things all work on spreadsheets. So today's episode is with the one and only Mike Thielen, 
founder of Feast Portland, one of the founders, and um, he's going to talk to us a little bit about how Feast, what it might look like this year, and again, it's really hard to tell, so we don't get a definitive answer, but as you might imagine, there's a lot of planning that needs to take place before the actual September dates, starting way back a year ago, but even a lot of the nuts and bolts would have to happen right now. And without knowing exactly what things are going to look like in September, um, Mike is not exactly sure what Feast is going to look like, but gives us an idea of some of the things he's thinking about. He also has a consulting business um, that the that he does himself, and that also, I believe, the Feast folks do in helping others to develop their um, their events, their festivals. I know they helped Hot Luck get started in Austin, Texas a few years ago. And so that part of their business just shut down in March as well. So Mike talks about that. Uh, Mike is a talkative guy. I'm a talkative guy. So this could go on for quite a while, and it does. Uh, but we are... We are honored to have Mike take his time out of his day to um, check in with us via phone. Uh, these podcasts recently have been done. We decided, if you haven't been listening, I'll tell you right now, we decided that uh, getting involved with Zoom technology and sending files and having guests do that as a uh, kind of a variable that may not work out, we would just do this in very simple fashion, and you'll forgive us until we get back to the point where we get back in the studio, and our podcast sounds professional once again. Uh, but for now, we're recording this on speakerphone on my phone from my home, uh, recording with another phone, and just sending those files off to my dear friend, Court Johnson, who's in Tigard at home running his show on kink.fm from his home. Um, thankfully, he's still there. Um, there's another industry that was, um, that was affected by this as well. All the advertisers don't really need to advertise. Not all of them, but many of them on the radio. So Court's still there, and we're glad. And he's putting these together and releasing them for us. And we are really looking forward to the day where we can be back in the studio at the PacWest building, um, recording right at the fork in its normal, usual form. We do have quite a few episodes uh, in the can because, as you may or may not know, my plan with my other business, Portland Food Adventures, was to be in Spain as I record this right now in San Sebastian um, with the folks from Urdaneta, and we had to move that a year out. I'm very thankful that uh, most all of the folks who had booked that trip with us are sticking with it, so I really appreciate that, as well as our sponsors here on Right at the Fork. I really appreciate them sticking with us. And you listeners... We really appreciate you sticking with us, too. We, we, I'm coming to the conclusion that perhaps per, during this pandemic, a lot of people were seeking out new podcasts to listen to. So we appreciate that you're taking the time to listen to this one. And this particular uh, edition, this interview, is a good one with Mike Thielen. And it's right now. Hey, Mike, how are you this morning? Good. Good, you know, just 
took a nice little walk and uh, grabbed a coffee this morning. It felt kind of normal for, for a few minutes, so that was, that was good. Oh, all right. Well, I hope this is this conversation doesn't feel abnormal. <laughs> Not yet, Chris. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. We'll work on it. Um, anyway, so uh, thanks for taking the time uh, to chat. I wanted to talk to you about. Um, well, first of all, you've got a you've got a uh, bird's eye view, I think, of the restaurant industry and the food industry as a whole, since um, in your, with all the hats that you wear, you're dealing with both restaurants, suppliers, um, uh, you know, sponsors, big, larger products in the food world, smaller products, a lot of smaller products, a lot of smaller makers. And so I thought it'd be a good idea to chat with you about what your, your impressions of what the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic or how they're affecting those businesses, but also Feast as well, because sure. it's about that time when uh, we're coming up on the time when people would normally start thinking about which events they want to try to procure on the, on the Feast website. And so ob the obvious question is, what's going to happen with Feast this year? So let's start there. Um, okay. what your plans are well, for Feast right now. I mean, you know, I think uh, full transparency, I, you know, I think the, the answer right now is we don't fully know. Um, I think, you know, number one, overall events and gatherings, you know, currently are not legal or safe. And, you know, the, with what is happening right now, we don't exactly know. So, like, the physical danger of gathering. Um, you know, it's not something we, we want to do right now. It's, 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 it's not something we have any desire to do in this moment. I think, however, that will change. So the question is when, and then what will legally be allowed is, is one question. And then after this moment where we've all been social distancing, where we've all been paying so much attention about, you know, our behavior and how we might, um, you know, try to stop transmission of a disease, like how is that going to affect behavior in, in the short run and long run you know so well you know even if we can gather like what will people want to do i think in any case we don't you know if we're able to do something this fall we don't anticipate anything that looks like feast as usual so that's something i can say with certainty um with that without a doubt so you know i think for the first part of it is like this with events and gatherings wait and see but then there's the second part you know feast is is for eight years been a celebration of the industry and you know, that, I think you, you nailed it um, in your intro. You know, we work with chefs, we work with companies, we work with producers, large and small. Uh, the one sort of thing that I would add in there is, is government entities, um, you know, tourism boards, et cetera, agricultural departments, you know, Oregon State University. Almost universally, and I would say the exception would be, you know, farmers and, and grocers and some of the product producers, which you can talk a little about, in a bit, these are industries that have been absolutely, you know, devastated in the last month, month and a half. So, you know, I think to, for us, you know, that it just seems like for us to do something like we normally do it in the year 2020, even if we can, seems like kind of a distant priority. Um, I, I think if, you know, we are able to do something this fall, it would feel really good to have an industry gathering with a charity component, um, you know, probably this year, even more geared toward 
you know, toward um, the, the chef and restaurant industry. You know, we've done a lot in the past to support hunger relief organizations. We've, re- we've raised almost $600,000 for hunger relief organizations since 2012. And that's still a very big priority to us, obviously. And also, you know, food banks and, and gleaning organizations, they've been really hit, hit hard, hard hit as well. Um, but I, I do think in the long run, we really need to look at one of the things that this, this, this pandemic has really exposed is just there's really a lot more opportunity to there, there's a lot of well how do I say this like there's a lot of volatility within the food industry this has exposed a lot of people who you know given the way the hospitality industry works hotels restaurants it's a lot of people who kind of live paycheck to paycheck um, this has exposed the fact that there's not a whole lot of a safety net. I mean, there's a lot of people that have been able to get on unemployment, but, you know, with such a mass number of folks who, who, um, you know, applying all at once, there's been obviously well-publicized delays. It's been hard for a lot of people. Um, there's also, you know, so many people who, who don't have access to basic health care. And I think, you know, for us in the long run, and this is probably more of a long run thing, a lot of this has really gotten me thinking about, well, you know, so often, you know, chefs, restaurants are asked to support events that, you know, support a cause, you know, and, and I think everyone loves to get behind a cause. But I, I, I think a lot of what has really come to light, I think, for, for a lot of us close to the industry is like, what about the industry itself? You know, like like there's just a lot of you know, I know that hopefully a pandemic like this, once we're past it, you know, eventually we'll be past it won't strike again but you know it's just it's it's been really unfortunate to see such a lack of you know resources for you know and not just food industry workers i think this would probably apply to anybody in the hospitality sector retail etc i mean it's just been really for me hard to watch because i've just seen so many of my friends suffer so i think you know for us this year one of the things that we've you know talked about doing is how do we coalesce there's the immediate need, like, you know, I've been making a lot of intros behind behind the scenes, you know, between, you know, t- just trying to connect the dots. Like, like you know, if there's using our social media to highlight some of the good that's happening in the community or, you know, connecting certain sponsors to certain causes. Like, you know, we've been doing a lot of that behind the scenes. But I think in the long run, we really do need to take a look at the entire industry and just say, like, how can we make sure that something like this you can't control a pandemic, but you know that that if this were to ever happen again, we would you know have have more of a a system in place that that wouldn't leave so many people so high and dry. And I know that's long term thinking. I, I guess I can't I can't help it. That's where where my brain goes. It's not that I you know it's not that I don't care deeply about the immediate need. I absolutely do. But you know, it's just it's been really really hard to watch this and just see so many people. Uh, have such a hard time and you know, you're talking about restaurateurs and hoteliers and these are the hardest working people you know you know this chris i mean chefs and restaurateurs are the hardest working people we know uh, it's not an easy industry it's it's you know and no one's asking for any sort of handouts it's also an industry on which oregon and portland sort of form a large part of their identity this is really important to who we are. It's really important to our economy. And it's just, it's been really hard for me to see like, you know, like, like, like just 
so many people have to struggle to get the help they need. And, and, you know, to be, to be honest, like help at a level that only the federal government and state governments can provide help. Well, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a bigger picture. You're talking about what you're citing is an industry where a lot of people are at or close to minimum wage. And because of that, and, and there's no real, there's nothing in place to make it easy for employers or the government to provide health care to yep. the masses. And a lot of oh, there's so many people working at that level and doing, as you said, working really hard. It has exposed how close we are to the bone. And, um, you know, uh, who knows whether the larger picture government is going to catch on with some policies that will help in this regard. But it's not only the food industry, but that's the one we're talking about. And you've got so yep. many people who are working really hard and and also restaurateurs with minimal margins. So but yep. when something like this happens, the cash reserves are not there. Yep. Yeah, no, it's true. It's very true. And and yeah, and I think it's been it's you know still a bit of a shock. I mean, I think this for me personally speaking for myself was the first week where for me, you know, working from home um, you know, just talking to my friends who are all dealing with different different types of stresses. It's almost this was the week where it started to feel like the new normal, which you know, in, in, a, in a certain it was a little scary to think that way. You know, it's been now six or seven weeks, and you know, it, it it's yeah, it's just just it's crazy. Uh, well, you know, and we're learning new things as we go, and that's why. Talking to you about Feast on this week, and this is April 23rd, will probably be, will definitely be a different conversation if we were speaking May or June 23rd. Sure. So yeah. um, that's just, you know, right now is when we're, you know, our, a lot of our heads are coming out above water and we're starting to say, oh, what was the world like? And what, what kind of things were we doing, like travel and so forth? So, um yeah, I don't know if you've had you you have, as I understand it, minimal staff now to converse and figure these things out as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, we it's you know it's interesting because I think, I mean, first of all, you know, we do our team does feast, and you know, feast is a four day event that takes the entire year to plan. But you know, one, we we've we have a separate entity that does you know client work. We've done a lot of we do a lot of stuff outside of feast and. You know, anybody who does any level of public assembly, you know, and it, their businesses, our businesses just dried up overnight. So, you know, for us, we had to unfortunately lay off, you know, the majority of our team. And, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of right now back to the core group who, you know, everyone knows Carrie, Jenny, Emily, me. That's, that's Team Feast right now. And it was, that was really hard and unbelievable to see, you know, because for us, we consult on an event up in Seattle. It was the Friday, last Friday in, in, in February. Uh, I woke up in the morning, got a text, learned that the first reported case in Oregon was at an elementary school where one of our team members' daughter goes to school. So that felt really close. And then our team was all up in Seattle, uh, you know, in meetings with what our client up there planning a, a wine festival that we helped consult with on you know, that would have been the, the third week of, of March. And in the span of those three weeks, not even the span of those three weeks, let's say eight business days, the event in Seattle was canceled. 
Uh, we did not see a clear path immediately to Feast as we know it. You know, a lot of our sponsors were pausing, and then there was everything happening with the chefs. We're like, we cannot possibly talk about Feast Portland to any of these chefs right now whose, whose livelihoods are just falling apart. And unfortunately, we just had to kind of take a pause on, 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 on our planning. And, you know, unfortunately, we too had, had to have some layoffs, which really, you know, we've spent, you know, eight years building this team. And, you know, it only took, it only took about eight business days to, to see all of that dismantle. But, you know, so it hit us too, um, you know, and, and it was, <laughs> it happened so fast. It was almost hard to believe, you know, and I, and I think every one of my friends who's gone through similar, you know, like, like everyone says the same thing. It was just like, just, it was like, it all happened so fast that, you know, it, 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 in our lifetimes, none of us have ever seen anything like it. Right. And we didn't we didn't anticipate it. I mean, I don't know how many times you've used the word pandemic in your lifetime, but I don't you know, I don't remember, but I don't think it's been very often. It's not I've always been worried about earthquakes and tsunamis. And yep. uh, and and that's the other position on this. This is largely financial and that's yep. a big deal. But however, imagine if we were picking up cleaning up rubble from all this yep. these rest of the real estate that we're talking about bridges so um we don't have that that's a certain perspective that i've tried to maintain no, it, it, it's true and i think you know for me personally you know speaking for myself you know i i can't you know we we can't really i mean we, we are engaged with all of our partners we're, we're talking about how to move forward you know we're just you know, it's hard to build a foundation for something when the when the earth is still moving, and the earth is certainly still moving. So, we're engaged with our partners. But, you know, for us personally, you know, our, our you know, I don't, <laughs> I you know, my normal professional sort of duties that I do, I mean, have completely, you know, almost ground to a complete halt, like like so many of us in the industry. So, you know, behind the scenes, we've just and trying to make connections where we can, try to just stay on top of things where we can, trying to understand the variety of industries, you know, because it, talking to the chefs and restaurants, but also talking to the tourism boards, you know, they were hit really hard. I think, you know, early on, I know there was some chatter among chefs, like, where's where are the tourism boards right now? Why aren't they, you know, leading the fight? Well, the, the answer to this is they were getting gutted just as hard. I mean, hotels all, you know, mid, mid-March, you know, like half of the downtown hotels were already closed and, and more of them closing. You know, they were turning the um, the Oregon Convention Center, prepping it to be an emergency homeless shelter. Um, you know, tra Travel Portland and Travel Oregon are entities entirely funded by hotel taxes. And when people don't travel, that all goes away. Yeah, and you know, those, so, that's a big hit to the hotel industry, too, because empty rooms for that long is yeah. is huge. It's just yeah. so, yeah, they're, and they, they're connected, as we know, with a lot of our restaurants. You know, Vitaly Paley has quite a few hotel restaurants, as does David Machado and numerous yeah. others. So, um, you know, and, and they operate separately. I know that, but they're going to be affected by the, by the fact that there's no one in the hotel near yeah. them. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and you know, I don't know if, have you had the opportunity to drive around downtown at all? No, I have not. Um, I haven't been in Portland much at all since uh, middle of March. I'm actually going to make a quick 
trip, a necessary trip uh, today. But after that, who knows how long it'll be? No, I haven't. Se- I've seen pictures of the empty streets, though. And I've seen well, pictures just, of empty streets in a lot of cities. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's eerie. You know, now, now the upside of this, and I say this with a degree of guilt, you know, like my, <laughs> you know, my, both myself and my, you know, my wife is a practitioner of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So immediately, like, she wasn't able to take any patients and everything just dried up for her. She's been, you know, starting to um, take, you know, patients online. A lot of that is moving online. So it's been, you know, but, but, you know, we have a lot more time on our hands and, you know, I'll spend my days are spending most of my day on the phone, just talking to very pe- various people, trying to understand where we can help, how we can make connections behind the scenes. So, you know, whether that's sending an email to a bunch of sponsors to help, you know, point them in the direction of a certain cause, whether that's, you know, directly connecting people, um, you know, both locally and nationally for causes, um, you know, engaging with media, you know, there's just, those are the sorts of things I find myself doing during the daytime, talking with you, of course, which I love. Um, but, you know, at night it's like, it's, it's quiet on the streets. We just try to go for a long walk every night. And, you know, there's a certain guilt to that, I guess, you know, you're, you're looking around and thinking like, wow, this amid this sort of quiet storm, this quiet, but devastating storm. It's like, you know, you, 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 you read the news or you go downtown and you, you, you understand everything that's happening. You talk to your friends, you understand all of the businesses that are being devastated. And yet there's this, perfect spring happening you know it's it's going to be so beautiful and you know so i guess and again i do say this with guilt but you know at night we try to take a long walk every night and you know it's just it's so beautiful to 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 at least have the opportunity to connect with nature and to at least have the opportunity to just you know pay a lot more attention to the things around us you know and and you know even things that you know like Stumptown on, on Division opened up uh, this week to go service, and they have like a quite a quite a setup uh, that you know going that is you know you order on one side, you you get your coffee on the other side. It's like all through the window. There's hand sanitizer everywhere. But yesterday I walked over there and I just got a coffee to go. I hadn't had a coffee in so long, and it just felt so good. It just was like wow, like you take this for granted. You take for granted like. You know, being able to wake up and, you know, hit your coffee shop on the way to work and talk to your barista and go meet a friend for happy hour or go have dinner or, you know, go connect with your favorite bartender. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, that, those are the things. It's like, wow, it's, you know, it, it really, those, those are really, really important things for a lot of people to just have that level of human connection that, that our industry provides. And, you know, it's, it's it you know you can get little pieces of it here and there but you know I think I speak for everyone I know when I say I deeply deeply miss that in my life. Yeah, and I, and it, it will be back, and I know things yeah, I are know. things are going to be changed. It's going to take a while, but uh, humans are creatures of habit, and so 
I don't know whether it'll be six months, a year, two years until we're operating the way we were with some minor changes. But I also find it interesting to think that all of a sudden, companies have been able to find a way to let employees, many of their employees, work from home. I wonder what that's going to be do to the office, the the commercial real estate industry when companies realize we can save all this money on rent and have people work from home and look at Zoom. I wish I would have bought some Zoom stock, but uh, <laughs> but I also think you know you're talking about feeling guilty. I think it's a time for a lot of people to just have a reset button and see what it's like to not be rushing everywhere and fitting everything in and rushing to this practice and this game to actually spend time together and alone and reflect. Um, I know that is, um, that's marred for many by the stress that financially yeah. this has caused. But if anybody has the opportunity to stop and realize sometimes how nice it is not to be rushing off anywhere. I know my son told me how nice it was not to have to get up, get ready for work, get dressed, run out, commute, and he's not the only one. Um, so there's going to be, you know, some other takeaways from this in the long term. With regard to the restaurant industry, people aren't going to want to just do takeout forever. The, the experience no, no. of being... For me, and I know for many others, it's not just about the food. You can take the great food away in lots of cases and just have great friends and decent food. And so, um, so hey, speaking of which, I see, a, I see a, a wolf outside of my house right now, or a coyote, actually. It's a coyote. Uh, maybe, maybe that's because I've never seen that in six years of being here. There's a coyote yeah. walking around. So... <laughs> I don't know what yeah, that means other than stopping I, to appreciate I mean, some things that we normally wouldn't see. I mean, see. beautiful, terrifying. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, throughout the course of human history, there's been disruptions like this before. I mean, you're right. Like, you know, you, you know we're not, when you think to, like, and the other thing, too, is, like, when I say guilt, guilt is the wrong word, but I think maybe it's it's more of just feeling fortunate because, you know, I, I, you know, the financial stress has hurt me too. I think anyone I know is immune from it. You know, like, like our business, you know, everything we do, all of our consulting work, it just kind of dried up in a day. So, you know, but again, having the ability to just go for a walk at night and also think about how grateful we are. I have thought so much more about people around the world go through, you know, and, and, you know, for the time being, you know, I, I, I'm able to get my CSA box. I'm able to, you know, I'm trying to order takeout to support some of the restaurants, um, you know. But, you know, if you think about parts of the world, you know, think about like places like Syria right now that are not only dealing with this pandemic, but also as amid just a, a crippling war that has already devastated their daily lives for the last, you know, decade i mean you know it, it, you really have to think about those things i think and, and understand like number one um how fortunate we are but also number two i think a common theme with a lot of my friends is like you know i think we can all we're all realizing we can all do better 
know, I, you know, we, we, it's so important to support those independent restaurants. It's so important to support those independent farms. It's really important to support the local businesses where you can. And I, I think that's a real common theme that, that I've heard from a lot of, from just about everyone I've talked to. So, you know, it, it's just important. You know, we, we have, Oregon's a place that is agriculturally blessed. Um, you know, we, should all be thinking about how, how can we in the long run, you know, be supporting those industries as much as we can. And, and I know that people are thinking the same way in, in, in Kansas and in Texas and, you know, Tennessee. It, it, it's, you know, you can't have, you cannot rely, a population cannot rely on a, on a, on a, a food system, you know, that, that is not mostly local. So, you know, I think, I think a lot of, you know, you know, Anytime there's a there's a a downturn, it always you know, I've, I've lived through a few things, nothing like this. But you know, I was in D.C. on 9/11. I was I was um, it wasn't being in New York, but it was you know it was still it was still you know close to the political nucleus and and really stressful. And you know we you know I was early career in 2008 when the financial crisis hit. You know, so you live through these things, and I think to think the whole world is going to change. Um, you know, and, and overnight is, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, you, you we're still going to contend with challenging, I think, political ideologies. Those never seem to go away. That said, I think personally, a lot of the decisions people are making and they're going to make in, in their lives and, and the way that people are going to want to live and the priorities that people are going to have um, and, and the companies and the products that they're going to want to support, this is going to be a time where, there's going to be, and there is currently a, a big evaluation happening. I think, and you know, people are talking so openly about those things, and 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 really, you know, if you really care about something, like how do you support it? So, and, and you know, on that note, it's been really inspiring to see how so many local businesses and restaurants have responded to that, and you know, how how many people are supporting farms, and you know, how restaurants like you know. I mean, I think Cocaine, what, what they did from the get-go was really, really interesting, you know, doing like, you know, basically their own CSAs. And, you know, why wouldn't you buy a CSA from a restaurant? They have all the best stuff, you know, or, you know, companies like New Seasons, which, you know, I know, and, you know, and, and other grocers as well, like kind of coming in early and like buying up inventory from, you know, companies that were sitting on a lot of inventory of local products. I mean, and, and you know, it, it's been inspiring to see that um, and, and inspiring to see the community come together. And, you know, to your point, I guess we have a window into that because, you know, we're, we're engaged with the chefs and restaurants, but, you know, we're also talking to the grocers. We're also talking to the ingredient companies. So, you know, I, I, I guess... I, I have a renewed positivity on, on, on you know, the, the overall sort of inherent goodness and, and humanity right now. And I think that's hopeful. And I feel that way until I turn on the news. And then, so. Yeah, well, stay know, away it, from, it, stay away from that TV news, I think. But if you, oh, if you pay attention to what restaurateurs are doing, you know, yeah. to see, see folks like the, the Gorham's, 
the first thing they're thinking about when they have all the inventory of food in their restaurants is how to give it away to people who really need it. Not only people, you know, hungry people in Portland, but their own employees who all of a sudden now have financial problems. The many GoFundMe accounts that we're seeing to address what you were talking about, the lack of health care and the lack of any kind of cushion for a lot of minimum wage workers. Um, that's been heartwarming to see. And, you know, one thing we know we have in Portland is a, is a pretty solid community of people supporting one another. So, um, not that we needed an opportunity to see that per se, but surely this has been one instance where we can, it's, you can see it in full force and we'll continue to see it as we get closer to, um, I've never used the word normalcy so much in my life, but yeah. as we get closer to whatever that is, and I think it will be, I hope it will be somewhat normal again. So, um, so what, uh, is in terms of feast right now, you don't have a timeline. You usually go online with sales in when May or June? Uh, you, you know, typically the last few years, it's been like around June 6th, June 10th, right in that range. So, yeah, right now, like what we, you know, the timeline of Feast, one of the, the questions we always get is, you know, what do you, what do you guys do the rest of the year? And, you know, Feast planning, like, you know, Feast planning for 2020 started in like August 2019. I mean, it starts that early, you know, lining up all the partners, lining up all the venues, lining up all the contractors, lining up all the insurance, I mean, everything. And then closer to right now, what we would be doing is kind of finalizing a lot of the events, finalizing the collaborations. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, I, I, you know and again, it's that I think what's so gratifying for, for us is like, you know, we'll do international collaborations. And I think, you know, to most of the people who go to those events, it's just a cool collaboration. But there's a lot of that goes into it behind the scenes. You know, we're collaborating with and you know, we're choosing to work with. You know, like this year we were planning to do a bunch of London programming because there's, you know, a couple of new direct flights to London. And, you know, that's those are priority priority cities for both Travel Portland and Travel Oregon. And then plus on top of that, there's local chefs that have really, really strong ties to that, you know, food community. So, you know, right now we would have been finishing up like those main sort of, you know, collaborations. We would be, you know, partnering wineries up with dinners. We would be building the website. Uh, you know, the, the PR and marketing um, would, would be, you know, the plans would be like really sort of fully gelled and starting to roll, roll out. Um, so, yeah, you know, and then ticket sales go on in June. So, you know, that it's it, those things are happening right now. Um, you know, and again, I, I think for us, you know, what we you know, what what to expect is feast as we know it in 2020 is, is just is not going to happen. Uh, but we, we are looking to do something. And we, we don't know what that is going to be yet. And, you know, it could be, you know, like we, we say, it could be a, a kickball game in a park with a bunch of our friends and chefs and people that make feasts happen every year and, you know, some barbecue and, you know, a, a charity component. And, you know, that would feel really damn good. <laughs> so, you know, I think for us, you know, what excites our team is just coalescing the industry, everyone together, you know, and, and, um, you know, and, and I think – Hopefully there's a way of doing that. But, you know, that said, um, the industry right now is coalescing and, and it is, it's been inspiring to see. So like, you know, to your point, the spirit of this community, the, the, the reason why things like great restaurants, uh, great, you know, 
you know, great. I mean, everything that's so great about Portland, it allows things like Feast to be, you know. So, you know, Portland and Oregon allow us to exist. It's not, you know, it's, it's, we draw from, you know, we, we, we are here because of it. And, you know, the spirit of everything that's great about Portland and Oregon right now is in full force. I mean, it, it, it's been really inspiring to see. And it's been inspiring to see, like, you know, just so many great leaders emerge. I mean, you mentioned like, you know, the Toro Bravo group, there's, you know, like family meal PDX really stepping it up. Erica Palmar, who's an absolute force of nature and has just done such an incredible job, just kind of tying so many different folks together, you know, Naomi, so many other chefs. It's just been really great. It's like, you sort of know like, Oh yeah, when shit goes down, I want you in my foxhole. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, so so that, that's that's been wonderful to see, and, and it's been a good reminder too of like, you know, Portland has grown so much, and I think, you know, um, it's just grown so much, and and you know, I think when things just sort of grow, it's not that we get complacency, but you know, you 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 don't always see the grittiness when when you know, and I it's not it's been really nice to see. It's like the spirit of of what has made Portland such a unique and interesting place culturally is just, you know, it's just in full display right now. And, and that part of Portland is alive and well, and um, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, no, I think, and I think we're going to see more of it. Uh, we're only five, six weeks into the, into the thick of this right now. We're going to see more of it over the next year and uh, how everybody's pulling together and making sure as many people as possible have livelihoods. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to see. So I guess, uh, Feast 2021 is going to be insane because you have that much more time to work, <laughs> work on some of the partnerships. And, yeah. I, yeah. And I, I also think, you know, it, it, it also kind of makes me think a lot about like, you know, I'll be the, you know, I, I, and you know, when we're saying like, you know, I'm, you know, feast is 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 a lot. It's it, it's a lot of work to pull it off every year. But I also think you know, you know, there's, you know, I think already before any of this went down internally, we were just talking about like, okay, like how can we make sure that we're not drifting from sort of the original vision of feast? How can we make sure that you know it still feels like it's it's really Portland and Oregon sort of centric festival? And I think those were conversations that were already already happening um i think this just sort of solidifies it you know i think you know um you know i think the passion that i i i want the opportunity to basically get out more around the state you know i think i haven't in the last few years had as i haven't had the time but i haven't made the time to really you know get out as much as, as possible and you know I, I go to wine country and i go to the coast but you know i i i really you know i'm seeing you know when, when it's sort of everything you care about is sort of you feel the risk of losing it it makes you care even more about it and you know i i, I just think of all the interesting things that are happening around the state and like all the you know interesting stories and you know, different regions and different producers, you know, and personally, like, I think one, as soon as I can, I, I want to do my damnedest to just learn more about those things and, you know, let that inform what, what feast is for the next 20 years. You know, I think, um, I think what the people are going to want out of food experiences, I mean, I think it's going to change, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, are people going to want to run all over the world and, you know, you know, travel as much? Probably not right away. You know, so so I think there's going to be a huge renewed focus on, on a sense of place. And I think, you know, while the, the short run will be hard for everyone, I think the long in the long run, it'll be it'll be maybe it'll be the shift that we all need. And, you know, and again, I, I'm just trying to find a, a silver lining to all this. But, you know, I, uh, we live in a really special, inspiring place um, that, that has a lot of human and natural history, mm-hmm. you know how can we do a better job connecting to those stories? Like, you know, you know, there, there's just a lot to be, there's a lot of stories to be uncovered here. There's a lot of things to celebrate. And I feel like, you know, like speaking on behalf of myself and, and, and what's left of our team, I think those are the things we really want to focus on. Well, you've been very, uh, you've been very good at that over the years. I personally was able to take, discover some things about Southern Oregon with, you know, spending time with a gentleman like Philippe Boulot, traveling it to wineries and producers in Southern Oregon. That was that came about because of Feast itself. So you already have done an incredible job. There are some other things, of course, that you can build on from there and that more people can participate in. But I agree with you. We're really, we're very fortunate to be in such an incredible place. You know, I chose to live here. I chose to move my kids across the country because I saw something very special. So um, there's that. On the other hand, on the flip side, I wonder if after people have been sheltering in place for months or two, they're gonna, they're, they may want to see the rest of the world as, as quickly, yeah, as much as no, possible too. So. Um, but but the, you know, I, but I think too though, like what you know, like like I think see the rest of the world, but from a vantage point of like you know what is truly like like there's certain places here in Portland and Oregon that are just so damn they're just such representatives of of place and and I think okay we'll still travel and we'll still want to see and experience the world I mean believe me I was like thinking about Italy last night <laughs> talking yeah. to my wife about like how much I'd love to go to Milan you know because and then you know so yes we'll all travel again but um, you know I think with a renewed sense of pride and vigor and 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 um, you know of, of where we're where we're from and, and I think you know sense of place is something that I don't know it's 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 something that you know his has, has America has just gone through this massive food revolution. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of, you know, it's like a lot of places everywhere that, you know, um, you know, like every place has third wave coffee and ramen bars. And, you know, I think, I just think there's going to be more of a focus for everyone of just like, how do you, you know, like, like all of those things are really important and special. And, you know, but like, you know, what, what is, what is like, how does, how does that food narrative like what? What? How, like why is? What am I trying to say here? I, uh, the just the underlying theme of like, I think people are going to want to just know more about a lot of the stories that have sort of formed the food narratives here. You know, because like there's just well, a lot of maybe there should be a podcast that does that. Yeah. Well, you do that. You do a great <laughs> yeah. job of that. That's the point. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, but I, I guess I mean, like you know, like last year at, at we, you know, last year at uh, the opening 
unofficial party from Feast on the Wednesday night. You know, it was at Proud Mary, and you know, Barney invited um, some tribes people to come in and sort of talk about the origin of salmon and other ingredients and do a do a land blessing. And, right. and I just, I, it was incredible. But I also sort of felt horrible. It was like, you know, like why don't we know more about this stuff? Right. You know, like there, there, like it just seems like there's so much to discover. Like. You know, or, or when you talk about diversity in Portland, like in you, the history of various communities, like, you know, the Jewish communities in South Portland or the Japanese American communities. I mean, there's just a richness here. And, you know, Portland may not, you know, it, it's not as big or diverse as like a New York City. And, you know, it doesn't, you know, you, you don't, you, you know, and, and, and sometimes you have to dig a little harder for some of, for some of the stories. But I just think those are the things that, you know, that, that, you know, just understanding like a true sense of place and like what makes Portland and Oregon special. Like, you know, I, I think that that's something that, you know, as, as, as I've been reading a lot of books in, in my, uh, you know, confinement on, on just, you know, Portland and Oregon history, natural history, you know, you know um, First Nation history. And, and you know, I, there's just so much. So, you know, there's exciting stories that still still can be told. And, and Chris, you're doing a great job of that, obviously. Oh, I wasn't looking for that. But yeah, I mean, Karen Brooks has <laughs> written, Karen yeah. Brooks has yeah. written incredible. But so that honestly, the reason that we're talking and this my podcast exists and uh, I started doing events, which I can't do now, of, of course, was because um, unlike where I grew up in Connecticut and spend much of my adult life, I found a connection in the restaurants in Portland that I'd never felt before. They had, they had personality, they had stories. It was, I was not able to meet chefs there and get, get to know a little bit about them. You know, like Adam Sappington comes from, Missouri and you know there he's serving that food that was on a very basic level that's the tip of the iceberg there's so much more there and I think unlike other communities we had this opportunity and it could have been timing too right 2005 is when food tv started taking off and by its very nature you would know more about the personalities appearing there so uh, we have that opportunity here and you know I will say this feast has given us that opportunity to uh, to get to know the players in you know more so than just the restaurateurs the producers um, and the winemakers, you you know, you go to your your Friday and Saturday event downtown and you're talking to the producers. You can find out whatever you want. So you have that opportunity. Um, I wouldn't say you need to make a lot of improvements, but if this gives you some time to if this gives you time to tweak it, all the better. Have you ever thought, has it dawned on you to, to think, Wow, what if all this had happened on September 8th and you had all these people flying in and everything set and then you had to cancel it? So I'm sure, you know, there's a silver lining to all of this. No, I mean, look, the, the timing of this, I mean, I think the thing that I'm grateful for, again, you know, I, like the way that events work is, you know, you, you we were at a time of year where luckily, you know, we weren't. Even though all of our, 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 you know, even though all of our consulting and everything we were doing just immediately sort of, you know, paused, like like everyone else in our industry, you know, we weren't yet at a point where we were up. You know, it's not like you know it would have happened in September. I mean, it's like you have all these venues, you have all these people that you, you know, you have all these, you know, 
you, you've already put your money down on venues. You've already, you know, you, you've already paid for all the, the travel. I mean, you've already, I mean, you know, the ingredients, I mean, everything. So I think you're right. I mean, if this would have been honestly happened in September, um, there very likely would have never been a, a feast again. Cause I don't, I don't think we would have recovered from it. Honestly, there'd be, there'd be no way, even if it would have happened in June, like, you know, we, we talk about that. We're just like, well, you know, like it had this happened two months later. Like, I don't know if we could have ever recovered from it. Yeah. I, know, I should be in Bilbao this day, starting one yeah. of our trips and you know, it hurt to cancel it and move it. We moved it to a year from now. And, you know, I'm, Obviously concerned with some of our trips in the fall. Hope, hopefully we'll be able to sneak those in. I don't know. But um, had it happened when we were there, it would have been yeah. absolutely unbearable. So uh, at least it gives some time to breathe and think and, um, and plan. So I'm, you know, these, the timing is crazy. But yes, had it happened for you later, it would have been devastating because you would have had a lot of deposits down that you couldn't get back. Yeah. So, no. well, I mean, you've already, you know, and plus the amount of, I mean, fees to, to, I mean, it's, it, you know, year round, you know, we were a team of, you know, eight, um, you know, but year, you know, that the people who work on everything we do year round, but, you know, in the middle of summer, like, you know, I mean, Emily Crowley builds an army of people to, you know, put together the events. I mean, you're, there's, there's dozens and dozens of people. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, you know, so that I guess is a silver lining, but you know, it's still, you know, uh, to your point, you know, like I think it is, is, is really, you know, challenging to, you know, think, I mean, it, I, none of us are doing what we expected or wanted to be doing right now, but you know, I guess you, know, you have to take it by day by day and mm -hmm. be grateful for what you have. You know, I was supposed to take a sabbatical this summer, um, we were just, my wife and I were going to take two months off and just kind of go driving around the West. And you know, we had finally, we had finally, you know, gotten the team to a point where, you know, I, I could do that for a couple months. And, you know, lo and behold, we joked that, yeah, we're definitely getting a sabbatical. It's just not the one we asked for. Oh, you may be able to sneak. You know what? You may be able to sneak a little sabbatical in Oregon. Just what you were talking oh, about. You no, totally. And that, and that's the thing that I thought I thought a lot about. Like you know, I've never been to Steens Mountain. I've never been to the Strawberry Mountains. I've never seen Fort Rock. I've you know, there, I've never been to the Painted Hills. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of things I've always meant to do. Um, I've never gone to like. You know, I've never been to Carmen Ranch in Eastern Oregon. I, I haven't been to Joseph as an adult. You know, I haven't. Oh man, I beat you on a number of fronts. I'm ahead of you as a yeah. as a late as an adopted Oregonian. I've, I'm ahead of you. I've been there. I've been to Carmen Ranch. Just driven yeah. through it. Have you been to Crater Lake? Oh yeah, I've been there. Okay, yeah. all right. But but you know that there's a lot of like like I just see things like you know when I see chefs like you know uh, Jacob from. Um, Arizo, who I, you know, follow on social media, like with, you know, all those, all those chefs down, like, you know, um, foraging for like, you know, gooseneck barnacles or, um, you know, when you see like, you know, I've never gone, you know, mushroom hunting since, you know, it's been like 10 years. So, you know, those are the sort of things I think about now. And I'm just like, man, you know, <laughs> you know, if, 
you know, I, I'm not going to say no to anything, I think, for the first, like, you know, year after this, because you're just going to want to do all the things you always meant to do, um, you know, because right now, right now you can't. Well, you'll do with with an, uh, um, an enhanced appreciation, for sure. I think we all will. I think I told you when we spoke recently, one of the things that I have done, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I don't think it's a bad idea to mention it again if anybody hadn't heard it. Um, I have my Chrome, I have a Chromecast on my TV and instead of actually watching news or anything else other than an occasional episode of Cash Cab, because that's brainless and it doesn't depress me, um, I stream or I cast all the pictures from my life over the last 10 years and beyond. So in this particular situation, it always has been cause for appreciation. But in this particular situation, it has been real cause to be able to see the places I've been and that I hope to go again um, and the wonderful life we've led. I strongly suggest it to anyone. And a lot of that is Oregon because I've done the most of my travel here in Oregon and um Wow, it's a it's an incredible state. So uh, I suggest to anybody when they go take a ton of pictures, put it on whatever f format you have. I have mine on Google Photos, and that way, instead of being lost in files, you can use them to your advantage in the future. So yeah, that's a great that's a great call. I haven't even thought about that, but I that's that's a really good idea. 24 hours a day, well, not 24 hours, but when I'm up, that TV goes on and the slideshow starts and it's in large format. You know, you remember when they used to sell the little frames that were 300 yep. bucks that you put a thumb drive in? Now I just go and click on the albums that I want. I could have, you know, an album, Italy 2019, and all those pictures are now in my slideshow. And, um, and it is better than watching, I got to tell you, it's so much better than watching the news. So um, we need to know what's going on, but uh, too much news is not a good thing. It's cause for That's true. depression. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have a lot of, I, I mentioned to you before asking you about the timing of this. We had a, have a lot of, well, it could have been worses. And um, there are for, for everybody. You know, we could have been born in 1500. So I don't know what that would have been like, but no, yeah, I like having know, running water. So. Or you could be, you know, you could be in in, the, in a war zone, or you could be. I mean, there's a, you know, p human beings endure all sorts of horrible things. You know, I think, you know, where at the t for the time being, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's hard and, and it's hard for a lot of folks. But you know, again, you know, you're not. You have to be grateful that you know bombs aren't falling, and you know right. there is a. A strong network of people in, in this community that that takes care of each other. You know, one thing too, um, on a positive note, I've really been, and I always shop at. You know, I have my my places that I shop, uh, but I've really been enjoying. You know, we always do a good job of, of we try to go out of our way to discover as many new products as, as possible. But I just had such a good time, like you know, order things from like Jim Dixon at Real Good Food, and you know, we'll we'll you know, buy things from Provador and just really focusing on as many local products as possible. I haven't done uh, any of the CSAs yet. I've actually split CSAs with a friend, but um, he has, he has been in charge of that. But the, um, you know, it's been really, you know, that part has been so joyous. Like, you know, you, you just, we still have access to so much great food and it's been really inspiring again to see, 
you know, like Coquine and, and the Submarine Group and, you know, Vitali and, jo- and just so many people who have really risen to the occasion and completely reinvented their business models in order to, you know, survive. And then, honestly, like, like I think in the long run, we'll, we'll probably change uh, the, the supply chain a little bit. And, you know, it's also been really fun to see a lot of these, you know, restaurants are working directly with the farms. There's no middle person. And, you know, so, so, you know, I think those are things that will positively affect, you know, the the health of of small business and and small agriculture and small restaurants in Portland for a long, long time. So that's been fun to watch. And I'll tell you what else has been fun. Speaking about connecting with people and learning backstories, how about how uh, I find it very interesting to be able to jump into Instagram TV or YouTube, however it's done. And I'm in Javier Canteros' kitchen with, with JL or Vitali and Kimberly in their kitchen, watching them cook. And the, of course, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch um, Gabriel Rucker's uh, home cooking videos with his kids. Uh, that's been you talk about connections with people. We never would have been able to do that. So there's a positive no. side uh, to all of this is that they've they have these creative needs to do something, an outlet. And that's what it's been in one way for a lot of them. And I find it I found it to be very interesting. And I've learned a couple of cooking tips along the way. Yeah, no, that's been fun. You know, and everyone's cooking more, you know, like we were joking recently that, you know, Finding yeast in Portland for a couple of weeks was like cigarettes in prison. You know, it was like, you know, impossible to find it. You know, it was becoming like a currency and, you know, everyone's baking bread and everyone, you know, so that, that's been fun to see, you know, and I, I, I last night got online, I ordered a box of, of food from Real Good Food and, you know, I ordered a couple of things that, you know, like I ordered pomegranate molasses, which I haven't, you know, had in my house in a couple of years. And, you know, this certain type of chickpeas that Jim has that are like better than any chickpeas I've ever found. And it's like you get excited about these things in a way that you, you know, maybe wouldn't wouldn't be quite as excited about or maybe you would take them for granted. So, you know, there's there is definitely, you know, moments of silver lining, you know. Yeah, and just to because we have to end this, I want to make sure because you've mentioned a couple of other places. You are because I, I feel like I should say this. You are going to get to Zupans at some point, aren't you, Mike? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Zup, you know, Zupans. I know I, you know, I, I don't live near Zupans, um, so you know, I don't. But you know, I. When I'm going to a friend's house, I have a friend on the west side. You know, they will we'll we'll stop. They always have a certain type of grapefruit that I love. So uh, you know that that those white grapefruit, they always have those. They have good good produce. So yeah, I mean, yeah, your, your friends. I was just kidding with they you. Do, they do a good job. I did. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was just having no, fun with fine. it because you know, I, they're my sponsor. I, no, no, you, plug your sponsors. You know, I mean, I think. Um, <laughs> You know, we, we feast does, we do, we partner with New Seasons, but, you know, Zupans is great. You know, like we, I will say, I, I live in the Sunnyside neighborhood and, you know, um, I wish there used to be a Zupans here, which, you know, I, I some, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people miss, but, um, you know, yeah, we used to live by the Zupans uh, on West Burnside, so I'm very familiar with it. And, you know, it, you know, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, a lot of, and, um, you know, they've been in town for a long time. They are local, more so than some yep. of the others uh, that you may have mentioned. But at any rate, Mike, I sincerely appreciate your taking 
the time. And I also appreciate the fact that, you know, given the fact that you're not exactly sure what this year is going to look like, that you were willing to come on and talk about it in, uh, without having specifics. So um, maybe when you know, I'm sure it'll be newsworthy and it'll be out there. But you, when you know what Feast is going to look like, we'll, uh, we'd love to have you back to, uh, to talk about exactly what you might have planned or, or as close as to what you think you can do uh, come September. Yeah, sounds good. I'd love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. I love the opportunity to chat with you. And uh, I hope I haven't run into you at Baker and Spice in quite a while. But I, I hope well, that, that there's a place that I that I miss and take for granted. Yeah, I don't live up there anymore. But, um, you know, yeah, that that's a great, good, good spot. Good well, spot. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of little places, you know, like we, you know, oh, gosh, like we love like Hoda's, you know, is two blocks from us. Is like, you know, a, a, a Lebanese restaurant, family owned, that was printing names of farms on their menus, you know, 20 years ago. You know, uh, I mean, they're doing to-go food, but just being able to pop in there. I mean, yeah, there's so many things, yeah, that, that I look forward. We all look forward to our, our you know, what, what we can salvage from our old routines and, and getting back to, uh, you know, what, what appears to begin to look like uh, normalcy. Well, that's what I was kind of citing is that what I one of the things I really miss because it happens all the time. I live mostly, you know, five days a week in normal times outside of Portland and Manzanita. But the amount of times that I would just run into somebody on the few days I was in Portland was incredible to me and indicated what a what a cool community we have and how small it really is. So, I mean, at Baker and Spice, I know I ran into you. I've run into Christina, uh, you know, and Jose. They just happen to run into them. So I can't wait till I just can happen to run into people again. That would be cool. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. All right, Mike, you have a good day and uh, yep, good week. Care. Good week. Can you tell the difference between weekdays and weekends now? No, every day feels like a weird hybrid of a Saturday, a Sunday, and a Monday. <laughs> right. Well, that's there's something that's good about that, so enjoy that part of it while it lasts. Sounds good. Okay, thanks. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. This has been Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angelus, from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson. This podcast is supported by Zupan's Markets, the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group, and Ringside Steakhouse. You can support the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group by ordering takeout at some of their locations or by simply purchasing a gift card to use later. You can find out which restaurants are open for to-go orders and get those gift cards at torobravoinc.com. Ringside Steakhouse, a Portland institution for over 75 years, is looking forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, you can purchase gift cards on their website where they're now offering bonus gift cards for example, if you purchase a $300 e-gift card, you'll receive a $50 bonus dining gift card. And with the purchase of a $500 e-gift card, you'll get a $100 bonus dining card. You can get full details at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right